What's the quickest way to get out of this material world to the spiritual world? <laughs> the quickest way is to understand that there's only one world. And it's the way you live in it that matters. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Prapanchaya Shantaya Niralambhaya Tejasa
Shirija Shankara Namashivaya Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya Shivaya, Om Namah 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 Shivaya, Om Namah
All right. Um. Okay, questions. Uh, did Maharaji know Nityananda? Nityananda was Swami Muktananda's guru and was considered to be one of the great, great, great siddhas, great beings, really found, really special. Um, <clears throat> as far as I know, Maharaji did not meet Nityananda, but what do we know? We don't know anything, but that's as far as I know. I never heard that he had. But funny thing happened is that, you know, um, when me... And Ramesh Ravas and Danny Goldman were on our way to India. We met Swami Muktananda in London. He was on his way to America for the first time. And we went to see him in London. And uh, we had a, a great time. And he invited us to go to his, since we were flying into Mumbai, Bombay at the time, he uh, invited us to go stay at his ashram at Ganeshpuri, just a few hours outside of Mumbai. So we did. And uh, we also visited his guru's place, Vajeshwari, which is just down the road from that. And Danny had bought a small picture of Nityananda. So, and when we went to see Maharaji, when we had our very first darshan with Maharaji, we, we bowed down. The first thing, we came into the room and pranam. And Nityananda's picture fell out of Danny's book. And Maharaja said, what's that? What's that? So Danny showed it to him and he said, oh, he was a very, he was a good sadhu. And from Maharaja, that means God on earth. You know, that's the way he spoke. He was a good sadhu. He was a good sadhu. So he obviously knew about Nityananda. I don't know if he met him or not. 
I don't know. You know, somebody said, can I raise the camera so she can see Shirdi Sai Baba's orange robe? I don't know what you're talking about. Shirdi Baba's over here. A small little, very nice little photo of Shirdi Sai Baba. Okay. Hello, I'm Shirdi Sai Baba. So, but I don't know what orange robe he's talking about. Maybe you think something's orange and it's not. So that's the deal. I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, hmm. Can I talk about willpower? I feel this is what's standing in my way. I know it is fears ultimately, but how do we develop said willpower? This practice in letting go and leaning into the fears and going after what we want. Well, <clears throat> willpower is what directs your energy. Uh, most of us have a lot of issues with directing our energy, going after things. Mostly we, we go after the things we want, the things we hope will make us happy. And we also use our willpower to go away from things that we don't want, that we think will hurt us and make us unhappy. But all that's very reactive. And it's not really, you're not really taking conscious uh, You're not very conscious. You're not really, you're not really present. You're just allowing yourself to go after everything or anything and just always being reactive. So to, to, de to develop willpower, it's also part of becoming more present in your life and taking responsibility for your actions. I told this story many times, but I was sitting in the jungle with a very, very old Baba. He was, <clears throat> he was 163, I think, at the time. And um, he was great. He just sat around, very sweet, very loving, very powerful. And we, you know, so one day he just looked at me and he goes, ah. You have to develop willpower, he said. And, you know, I, in my mind, I thought, willpower? What do I need that for? And he, he heard my thought. He, he knew what I, my reaction. So he did something inside of me. He showed me what he was seeing in me. And I went, oh. And I saw that. I was just floating and I wasn't using, I wasn't even going after the things I wanted in life. I was crippling myself. I was crippling my, my will. And I also saw that there wasn't like worldly life and spiritual life. There was just my life. And I was, wasn't really living it fully. It was really a shock to me to see that. Uh, uh, I really hadn't been aware of that. And he, 
he made me aware of that. And it was a very big thing for me. And naturally after that, I, once I saw that, I started to, I, my life started to change a bit. I started to direct my will more consciously and going after the things that I wanted, even in daily life, worldly life. Um, and you ask, will practice help? And of course, yes, absolutely. Because every time we come back from dreamland to the chant or the mantra or to our breath or whatever our object of concentration, every time we come back, we, we have, we, we recommit to being with the mantra, to listening to the mantra, to hearing the mantra. That's an act of will. And that plants a seed. Of course, we're taken away. We're blown away again and distracted almost immediately. But then we notice that eventually and we come back and we once again, okay, we listen, we hear the name. And we keep doing that. And this, this deepens our awareness and it opens, our, opens us up and it gives us, eventually it gives us an inner strength that we can do what we want to do. And we can move ourselves through our lives in a good way. And of course, there's many ways to work on these things. You say you have fears and stuff like that. Well, uh, there's nothing wrong. You know, counseling and therapy can be very useful with those things. Talking about that stuff can help us see it. And when we see it, we can, we can understand it and possibly, and we can see something, then we can let go of it. If we can't see it clearly, it's very hard to let go of it. So the more we understand about ourselves, the more inner strength we get, and the more our will becomes alive and useful for us and available to us. Do, do, do you or Ramdas have some type of physical exercise practice? <laughs> well, Ramdas was in a wheelchair for 20 years and then he died. So I don't think he has any physical practice at the moment unless he's doing it in some other body, which is very possible. Long hiking up hills feel like chanting for me. See, I don't understand that. What do you mean it feels like chanting? You're enjoying but you're not aware necessarily. Your, your, your thoughts are flowing. You're aware of the beautiful surroundings and the exercise and it feels good and pleasant. But are you conscious? Are you paying attention? Are you aware of how many steps you took? Are you aware of what you're walking on? Uh, are you aware of the body? There's so many different types of meditation and ways of being aware of things it's not just about having a nice, pleasant experience. So I don't really, I, I don't know what you mean. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't understand. Uh, chanting can also be a pleasant experience, I hope, 
for me, it's pleasant and it's more than that. It's awareness practice also. And I'm not allowing my mind to float around and think about everything in the universe and be distracted. I'm constantly coming back to the name and to the sound of the name and trying to remain attentive and aware. If you are trying to make remain attentive and aware as you're walking, you know, there's a... In Buddhist meditation, there's a walking meditation practice. It's fantastic. But it's very simple. You become aware of your foot lifting, putting, placing. Lift, put, place. Lift, put, place. Lift. And that's all you're aware of. You're not aware of, you're not looking out at the sky, you're not singing to yourself, you're not doing nothing. Lift, put, place. So that's an awareness practice. So not that you can't take a hike, and not that it can't be an awareness practice, but only you know if it is or it isn't. Are you really paying attention? Are you just having a good time? Either way, it's okay. But you could uh, be aware of what it is. Do I have a preference over tabla and murdanga for my for my kirtan. <clears throat> well, um, I love the murdanga. When I first sang with the kirtanwals in India in the old days, they always played murdanga. That the coal is actually a coal. Clay, Bengali drum, fantastic. But I love the way Arjun plays tabla. He's, you know, he's a former punk rock drummer. So he's got that <clears throat> in his tabla playing. Not everybody has that. It's not so easy. Uh, it's, it's a different style than, than uh, classical music, Indian classical music, which is phenomenal. But this is, what we do is a very different style. And Arjun plays great. So I love the top of the way he plays it. And, you know, anybody who keeps a beat is good. <laughs> <laughs> What's the quickest way to get out of this material world to the spiritual world? <laughs> the quickest way is to understand that there's only one world. And it's the way you live in it that matters. And the, 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 the material world is not a problem if you have enough love. And if you know who you are, problem is we don't. So we get attached and lost in our desires. That's not the world's fault. That's our issues. When we clean our hearts and find the love within, we find it everywhere, right here in the so-called material world. There's not a spiritual world somewhere else. Ultimately, it's right where we are. Yeah, you can go to different planes of consciousness for a while because you can create certain karmas that take you to those planes. But that doesn't last either. Anything that's created through your own actions, uh, well, I don't mean it that way. 
you can create, you can, any karma that's created by you based on desire and based on hunger and need and based on the sense of a separate self thinking that you are who you think you are, all the karma is created by you, the me that is you. It takes you to all kinds of places. In order to unravel the, the knots in our own hearts and clean the mirror of our hearts and awaken from the dream and find real love and recognize real love within us, that, that's the result of different kinds of actions. So... Uh, a lot of people have, have this crazy thing about the material world. It's like good and evil kind of thing. But there is, there's, there's only this. There's only where you are. There's nowhere else to go. That's the good news. You don't have to buy a ticket. You're here already. Now find out what that means. Who's here? Well, I'm here. Well, who am I? What does that mean? I don't know. Who's asking? I'm asking. Well, who am I? Or repeat the name until there's no thoughts left. Either way. So, it's only our own stuff that causes suffering, not the material world. Can you talk about the challenges of balancing sexual energy? I ain't trying to be celibate but I feel trapped by the excessive desires. <clears throat> so when you say balancing sexual energy, I assume you mean not being uh, led around like this by your own desires all the time. <laughs> you know, you have to be who you are. That's, that's, that's the, the good news and the bad news is that you are who you are and you have certain desires. If you don't fulfill the desires you have, the normal healthy human desires, if, you, if you're out of fear, if you, don't go, if you don't go after the things you want, you, you can wind up very frustrated and very unhappy and very negative, and very uh, depressed. And then that's because you, you don't know how to fulfill the desires. The other issue is that most of us have this, this belief that through sexuality and mating with someone, we were going to find eternal love. And we'll always be happy if we could only find the right partner. You know, the right partner is your own being. You can't get it from somebody else. You can great, great pleasure and have good friendship and good, powerful relationship. But it doesn't mean you're getting it from someone else. So... The West, humans are driven crazy by sexual desire. I mean, 
There's no doubt about it. Everybody's crazy for it. Either you're crazy for it and you do too much, or you're crazy for it and you don't do it at all. Once you begin to see it for what it is, you can begin to really enjoy it and not expect it to mean more than it is. But it can be very, very, very powerful. Uh, it's just that most of us misplace our, our uh, expectation. We have the wrong kind of expectation for sexuality. We think it's going to lead us to real happiness. And it's probably not the way most of us do it. So, I mean, there is tantric sexual practices, but most of us are not qualified for that. There is a way to work with that energy that, is, that can liberate you. But right now, we're beginners, you know, and those practices you have to learn from a qualified teacher and you have to practice it in a very specific way. And those, those practices are, that's, that's, you know, that's above my pay grade. That's, that's, you know, I'm in kindergarten or first grade. That's big time stuff. I just want to try to get through the day without having a nervous breakdown. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so don't one sh one has to deal with all the issues we have about sexuality. We're afraid why we can't love, why we can't open ourselves, why we have to protect ourselves, why why we get hurt all the time. There's a lot of emotional stuff involved with sexuality that isn't necessarily the sexuality itself. It's the overlay we put on top of it. So there's a lot there, and it's a lot to work with. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a lot to work with. Good luck. Where are we here? Uh, can you share more of the first darshan you mentioned before and how you knew to bow or pranam? What was the first time you met him or the first time you had darshan? I met Maharaji on September 13th, 1970, I think. Yeah, I think that was the day. <clears throat> and um, we knew to bow because we had, you know, we had seen what in, how it is in India. We, we, you know, we were already into Indian culture, so to speak. We read a lot of books. We understood what bowing, you know, especially to a guru. And so, and, uh, and I had had this dream. Shortly after I met Ramdas, uh, I had only seen this uh, black and white picture of Maharaji which is Ramdas only had some black and white pictures. And I had this dream that I, I, I came into my uh, 
elementary school gym where we used to play dodgeball and have like dances, you know, on rainy days. Came into my elementary school gym and there on the stage where we used to have plays, class plays, there was Maharaji sitting on a tucket, which is like a wood cot. And there was somebody standing behind him with a a white dhoti and a, a white shirt with a black vest. And I came into the room and in the middle of the room, in my dream, I did what they call danda pranam, a full pranam, right out on the floor with my arms out like this, laying, you know. And I stayed down there on the floor. And I was just saying to him, please, please, I have to feel something. I have to feel something, please. I was begging, please let me feel something. So I saw that he got up and he walked down the stairs at the edge of the stage and he came into the middle of the room and he came and he put his hand, I was lying down and he put his hand on the back of my head. And I slowly, slowly calmed down because I was really intensely begging. And I calmed down. And as I calmed down, I began to feel this bliss, like ecstasy, like circulating through my body, right? My whole body. And it was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And finally, I thought to myself, I'm going to die. <laughs> and just at that moment, he took his hand off my head and went back and sat down. And I woke up. That was in 1968 or nine, early 69. So two years later or more, maybe two and a half years, I'm in India. And we've been, we've met Maharaji, we've seen him. I came to the temple late one day. I don't remember why. It was up in the mountains at Kenchi. I had something to do in the morning. And I took the bus and I was late. Everybody was already there. And I walked into the temple and I had some apples to offer in a bag. And I came into the courtyard and Maharaji was walking across the courtyard from where he sits into his little room, which we used to call his office. <laughs> and he was walking by himself. And I, had, I realized that I had never seen him walk before. He would have just come out and sit down right there, and then we'd be sent away eventually. I had never seen him walk. And I just stopped because... And I was kind of in shock because he was walking in the way that he walked in my dream in America three years before. He had this very unique walk, bouncing from like one leg to the other, like a, like a two-year-old kind of walking. And I, I just, I'm, I completely left. I don't know what happened to me. And then before I, the next thing I knew, I was standing right in front of him. And he stopped walking and he looked at me and he just goes, oh, 
Westerners, these Westerners, I didn't even offer him the apples. He had to grab them away from me and threw them to the other people like this. It was so nuts. But you see, people ask, you know, is he still around and this and that. I, I had a dream of him, which was exactly the way he was. So he definitely came to me in that dream long before I met him physically. And the other thing was, the, the devotee who was standing behind him, behind the tucket, with the black vest, that was Dada Mukherjee. There's a picture of him back there somewhere. And he always wore this black vest and a white shirt and a white dhoti. Amazing. Just amazing. So when Ramesh Radas and Danny and I came into the room the first time where Maharaja was sitting, it was so surreal. You see, I'd been feeling him everywhere. He was everywhere. He was everywhere. I, I, all the time after meeting Ramdas, Maharaji was everywhere with me. And when I saw his body, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, how, how does all that fit in that body? It was like very confusing for a minute. I just, it took a, it was a very interesting moment. I got over it and got totally attached to that body. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. And KK was there at the temple that day. Our first day in Namital, we came up from the plains and then we went to find KK and we found that, that he was at the temple. So we took a taxi from town and he was there and we came into the temple and <clears throat> KK says to Maharaji, they've come. <laughs> and Maharaji says, okay, feed them first. So KK came out and met us. We hadn't met him before, but we'd been in touch by mail. Letter. Letters. KK sat us down and he greeted us and he told us Maharaji wanted us to eat. So we were served uh, puris and potatoes, the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another question I just saw. In the new Ramdas book, he writes that Maharaja said he will come back wearing a suit. <laughs> you know, who knows? He could be living next door, and I would never know unless he wants me to know. I've given up. I'm not running after him anymore. If he wants me, he'll let me know. You know, I went crazy and ran through the jungles of India looking for him after he left the body. I was convinced, and I am convinced, really, that he's still somewhere. But whether we meet him or not is totally up to him. Whether he's wearing a suit or not. Is it a prerequisite that the musicians who play with me are on the bhakti path or not? 
just curious. Not necessarily, but one has to understand that it's not a performance and that uh, that it's a practice, you know, and everybody that plays with me has some idea about that, if not a lot of ideas about it, or is not really into it. Some people are... Some people play with me are not that much into it, but when they play with me, they, you know, they, they, they release their egoistic concerns about music and just stay in the groove, in the presence. So, and that's not easy for people to do that, really. Everybody, you know, musicians are used to performing, which is fine. And, and, engaging with an audience to uh, get them a good experience. That's not what we do. So somebody has to understand that. And, and usually it's like that. Some of these questions are really, you know, really deep questions. And I'm not, that we don't really have time to talk about this stuff so much. This person writes that they're severely disabled with seizures, daily seizures. They have a desire to be healed enough to be outside and share my gifts. Should I not desire this? Is that wrong? Or should I just accept that this is my dharma? No, it's not wrong to, to want to be healed. Not at all. Um, but also one has to accept that this is the way it is in the moment. And there's a lot to learn in, in the situation that you're in. Learn about yourself. Um, you say you, you want to share your gifts. You know, people say that to me all the time. They come up and they say, how can I, I want to share my, my chanting with the world. I said, is there something wrong with you? Are you, you have a fever? What's wrong? You okay? I don't want to. I have to. This is my practice. I have to do this for me. I'm not doing this for you. I don't want to share my gifts with the world. I want to be happy. I want to find love. I want to live in Maharaji's presence. And chanting is the way I can do that. The form it's taken now with all these, everybody coming, it's wonderful. And I can do what I have to do to accomplish what I want to accomplish, was to live inside of his presence all the time in that love. It's not about sharing anything. This is a, you come, we do this practice together. This practice takes you and me to do a call, a response, a call, a response, back and forth. So that's that part of the question, okay? As far as your physical issues, of course you want to be healed. So let's, you have to figure out what the best way to be healed is. And if it's not possible that to be healed in a way that you 
want to, then you have to work on accepting it as it is. And you can accept it as it is and do everything you can to be healed also. But whether you're going to be healed or not is out of your hands. All you can do is is do what you can to be healed. Whether the healing comes, that's not, that's beyond. The results of our actions are not up to us. The actions we take are up to us to some degree. But the results that we're looking for may or may not come. We don't have a say about that. So work with all these different issues, you know. It's all good. You're doing good. I mean, you're present inside of it. That's great. But don't get caught thinking that you have to get something that you don't have. Be where you are. Be with what's going on. And inside of that, then you can, you can work on healing. Uh, but whether it comes, who can say, right? I wish you all the best. I do. All right, that's about it. Yeah, okay. So thank you for sending those questions in. I'm sorry we could only get to the ones we could get to. So we try this. <laughs> what was that? Shri Guru Charana Saro Daraja. Nijamanu Mukuru Sudhai Varana Raghuvara Himalajasu Jodhaku Palachari Buddhihin Tanujanike Sumeron Pavana Kumar Alabudhi Vidya Tehu Mohi Ardahu Kalesa Bikar Ramachandra Padaja Sharana Jaya Hanuman, Jaya Nasaga, Jaya Kapi Sati 
Tukta Purvata Baladama Anjani Putra Pavanda Sutana Mahavir Vikram Bajarangi Matinneva Sumati Kesang Kanchanavaran Virad Subesa
Chaman Jan ki je bolo hanuman 
Taram, taram, de des, taram, 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 de des, taram, taram. Iram de ram de je ram, iram de ram de je ram. Iram de ram de je ram, iram de ram de je ram. Oloram alchamandan ki je bolo anuman ki ram. Ram alchamandan ki je bolo anuman ki. If we know anything about a path at all, if we know that there might be a way to live in this world in a good way, with an open heart, without fear, and maybe some peace, some peace of mind, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us. Out of their love. Out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, all of us be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. 
And may we all live at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Stay. Take good care. Take good care. Be well. Much love and many Ram Rams. Good night.